So I'm looking to nip for, for Graham to nod at me here because he's still on mute. But was corruption around an original fancy role play? Or was that a, a more recent? No. Oh, he's there. Yay. I heard you. I heard you. We heard you. We heard you. Yeah. 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 You're back in the ring. I don't know what, don't know what she's changed then because. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Right, start recording again. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Steve, aka at AllAnthar on Twitter, and here are some more of my gaming vexes. Welcome to another episode of My Gaming Vexes. It's my mission to play or run all of the games I've purchased, in hard copy mine, not PDF, I'm not completely unhinged, and then reflect on the experiences with my friends. This one is a spin-off for episode 26, where we talked about the Red Markets RPG. Graham Kinneber, a firm devotee of Grim Games, wondered what makes a game grim, and what is it that draws players and GMs to it. So here we are, having a lovely chat about grimness in games. Ironically, although Graham came up with the idea for the episode, as you may have realised from the intro, technical issues meant that all he could do for much of the discussion was gurn at our ill-considered opinions over video link, as we couldn't hear him until much later in the recording. However, Graham did send over some additional commentary that you can hear at the end of the main discussion. Thanks to Fabio, Graham, Kat and the Neils, Benson and Hopkins for their contributions on this one. I hope you enjoy it. If you do like what you hear, perhaps you consider leaving us a positive review either on iTunes or your platform of choice. If you do leave one somewhere other than iTunes, though, please let me know, otherwise I might never come across it. In common with other podcasters, we thrive on feedback, and hearing that someone likes what we do keeps us going through editing purgatory. With that in mind, we've had another review, this time from Jim, at Jim Jim the Grim, on Twitter. Hi Steve. When I listen to the podcast, I imagine the Sunday night after a weekend of gaming. Everyone's chatting in the pub, having a laugh, and a stab at analysing the game. The anecdotes come out in between a few observations and the odd serious point. Thanks to you and the contributors for taking me to that happy place. Please keep up the good work and I'll continue to raise a glass when I listen. Cheers, Jim. Thanks for the kind words, Jim. They're very much appreciated. And with that, get ready. So thanks everyone. Today we're talking about gr- grim dark, dark grim, grim gaming. Really, so, so this was something that came up really as a consequence of us talking about red markets, which I think you could probably argue is is definitely a grim game. And so, first of all, let's let's have some introductions. Fabio Volano, and that's my Twitter handle. Last grim game. It's the granddaddy of all of it, which is Call of Cthulhu. I ran that on Saturday, and it was a pretty lethal one, and I had two players. I, well, I didn't kill two players, but... The, the dice did. Okay, so I'm Neil, a.k.a. Old Scouser, RPing on Twitter. I'm also on this uh, Mastodon thing as well, but I can't quite remember uh, what I'm called on there. <laughs> um, so, uh, anyway, the last Grimdark thing I played, I mean, I played Call of Cthulhu just mm-hmm. last week. 
So I'm going to go with that as well. I don't, I don't know if Call of Cthulhu is more horror than Grimdark, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, but we might talk about the difference actually. Between... But uh, yeah, anyway, they, they, there you go. That's that's the best you're going to get for now. So, yep, Neil, uh, aka Thermal Satsuma on Twitter and uh, Satsuma at Dice Camp on Mastodon. I think that's that's me on there. Last Grimdark game I played, uh, Vassen on Saturday. That was uh, Vengeful Spirits and Dead Children. And also, uh, the, the humans were probably uh, more selfish and cruel than the than the monsters uh, so uh, yeah so much fun was had by all that's that's the heart of any any horror thing is that the, the monsters pan significance it's how how horrible people are to each other that's truly horrifying i'm cat i'm at mere for beer on twitter um i'm also the editor of nevermind dice roll zine so i'm, I'm often found on that on mastodon but i can't remember the handle bit like Neil, a bit new, I can't really remember it. The last Grimdark game I played was Spire, where you play a drow who are fighting against the elves who have taken over your city. You're never going to win. You're never going to get rid of them. Um, It's just um, how far your morals are going to be compromised as you try to survive, or in our case, not survive and die horribly. (laughs) That's interesting, because in that it's not so much physical threat, it's more about, as you say, moral degeneration, isn't it, really? Yeah, it is. That's interesting. So I suppose the idea is, first of all, is thinking about, well, I mean, we all touched on some of the points about what might make a game grim. So we've talked about Call of Cthulhu. Obviously, that's, you know, people losing their sanity. We've talked about how horrible people are to each other, people or drow or other sentient beings. From what, from our perspective, what makes a game grim? Is it background? Is it rules? What is it? I think it's a combination. Because um, you can definitely have games that that have got a, a grim background, but the, the characters are a fairly uh, high status or you know they wade through the mire with their shining armor and writing wrongs that's that's definitely not grim but if you're one of the the peasants splashing about in the mud and everything's hopeless and you're probably going to die a miserable death and that's a that's a grim game oh, like, um, uh, the classic dungeons and dragons isn't it that, that oh. you're you're sort of going in and massacring goblins in a dungeon who are they're sort of eating bones and dressed in filthy rags yeah. you're you're merrily going and stealing the treasure and coming out uh, to to be heroes um but if it but it, yeah if if you were one of the goblins then it would be a very different experience so we're talking about the really the latest iteration of the, of the galaxy's favorite role-playing game clearly so because 5e really is that isn't it because actually player characters have a lovely time most of the time don't they in that so is, is that an example of not grim yes uh, anti-grim anti-grim yeah okay that's okay yeah i'm just just wondering about the editions on on D&D because i I do feel like the first edition was so much grimmer than the fifth edition where there's the capability or or you are more likely to die as a player character but going back to the classic keep on the borderlands there's that dilemma that happens in or sorry this is a spoiler if you haven't played keep on the borderlands there's the section where the you're you're going through the cobalt layer and you're hacking away through cobalt so that's all you know uh, yeah that's okay that's all right to a certain degree but you get to that last chamber practically and there's that dilemma and it happened i remember a couple of times where players are just going oh my god we've got cobalt women or mothers and their children and there's that dilemma as a player. Do you kill the cobalt children as well, which is really grim in my eyes. I mean, I think there is a, a point about um, addition. So, well, but... also, there's, there's, we've 
D&D, it's the worlds as well. I, I agree with Neil, the, both the rule setting and the world setting. You need both of them to get it to kind of mesh as a proper system. But that's the same for any game. But mm. D&D had certain worlds. Dark Sun, that is a very grim, dark setting. And mm. that's a D&D setting. Uh, mm. You know, you're stuck on a dying world where magic really rips the you know, nature apart. So you've got cannibal halflings running around. You've got druids who do not trust anybody. If you found casting magic, you're dead. Um, mm. It's a really nasty setting. Whereas a lot of the Forgotten Realms, Forgotten Realms, yeah, and fluffy in comparison. But I think you're right. I think it seems to be having the rules <clears throat> and the background in in conjunction does help. So I, I mean, for me, something you know, I suppose what Fabio was saying about old school essentials essentially is is BX. I mean, that would to me would seem to be a Grim game. I mean, Neil is the, you know, <laughs> you're the one who well, tends to run that more I, than anyone else. So. I think it can, it can vary. I think like when you're talking about d and I mean, in my opinion, it's far more about the setting and the tone of the game and the encounters you have and so on than the actual rules. So OSE could very easily be very very grim and i think for me the the one that really stands out if you recall steve the when we played better than any man mm. with lamentations of the flame princess which is a, a variation of uh, Bethany, yeah. uh really but yeah it's a similar rule set but the the whole setting i mean it's a historical setting you know in the 30 years war but everything about it is so twisted and grim and desperate and yeah, and I, I don't even think grim or grim dark is particularly about how likely your characters are to die. I don't really think that's part of it. I think it's much more about how, how the world impacts them and what mm. they see and encounter as they go along. And then some systems will put that into the rules. So, mm. you know, certain things will uh, have, have effects on your characters as you, as you, you know, you go into the game. I know you, you've got mechanics in your list and perhaps we'll touch on that but i think just at this stage i I don't think it's about how lethal the game is or anything Mm. like that i think it's much more about tone and yeah the the things that you're going to encounter and 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 perhaps a bit of shock kind of as well you know is is this something shocking and you might see us so if you think about because tone for me is is connected with background and sort of story and that sort of thing and as you say it can be reflected in rules and we'll come to that but in in terms of tone are we saying that it needs and again we're not just talking about fantasy this could be any genre really are we talking about something where death is commonplace and and again just leave the rules to one side but death is commonplace actually magic is it's a relatively low magic environment and the things that you do so if your character encounters some you know unpleasant violence it's going to be quite difficult for them to get over it uh, what is it about what is what do you need to see in a in a, in a mm. background or a setting for it to be grim well it's, it's not heroic is it i mean you, you talked about death as commonplace and i think it's not just death for the characters but like death mm. is all around them. you know yeah. people are suffering the world's gone to crap and death might be not not far away and i certainly think that's a, that's uh a big part of it because in red markets a lot of it is about societal collapse really mm. is that it's you know what's the the well the the end uh result of you know in that instance capitalism sort of keeping going even though everything else has fallen apart mm. and, it, and it's got some pretty and obviously there's zombies in as well which has a sort of a horrifying aspect to it i th- i think personally um you talk about the setting and the rules but how about the actual format of the rules or the book and i think one of the grimmest and 
darkest of those. And it really comes across just opening that book is Mork Borg. Mm. That, that world is just, you are playing really scummy. The whole world's gone, as Neil said, it's collapsed. It's, you know, that is a real, real grim. And I think they based it on Swedish the, death metal. Sw- Swedish death metal, metal yeah. Swedish dark metal, which is, I think, Candlemas is that. But it, it, that's the whole thing that even just the format, even though it's bright, fluorescent yellow, and it's got that punky kind of font going on, but the whole format of every page of just skulls and death and everything else really is the grimmest, I think. There's an air of humour with, with Mortborg as well, because mm. I, I, I think when, when we played it, it was certainly a grim setting, but we were finding the, the humour in the most horrible, ridiculous things. So mm. I think there, there were probably more laughs in, in that game <laughs> where we were talking about cannibalism and flaming skulls and all the rest of it. And we've, we've discussed this on a previous podcast. So, so maybe there's, there's an element of tone in the game it can be a grim setting but you're approaching it in a sort of fairly light-hearted way and you you know you're going to die but you just click the button and scumify a new character straight away so that that's not the same risk as that you're going to die and then that's it you know when we talk about grim games warhammer the is, is you know one fancy role play is definitely one that's in there and that that's got humor in but I think it's more, I don't know, and again, it depends how you play it, but I think the, the humour seems to be more to the fore, certainly in what my experience of Mortborg, and okay, you know, people can read it differently. Whereas I think in Warhammer, it's more relief, because if you didn't have that a bit of humour in there, especially in the older editions, you had people had silly names that sort of, you know, uh, whereas it's not so present now. So I think it, it seems to be more of a humorous game, whereas now I think it seems to be going down that quite, desperate route maybe i think for me what makes grimdark is the fact that death is not the worst thing because it's final you you mm. die there's no resurrection in a lot of grimdark games i can't think of any really where there is such a thing as you know you could give your your cleric a, a diamond and up your pop mm. there isn't that but what you do have is you can be injured you can be you know severely take penalties for having a dodgy leg or mentally your character mm. can break down inspire you do have fallout and etc usually on the mental or social stats um and some of the other games like simbarum which i'd definitely say would be a grimdark setting you have corruption and have very powerful magic in simbarum but the more you use it and if you're too careless you get corrupted you turn into that monster in the woods and your fellow um, players have to watch you turning into that um, which adds to it at the table because they're kind of going then yeah it's always been great to to be alongside Cat in the woods. She's always been there to the point of, you know, we might have to put her down at some stage of this continuing. <laughs> and that makes it a very grim setting because you no longer it's this we're all in it together type thing. You've got to watch your fellow players. I mean, in mm. Red Markets, that was a campaign because we, we did it as a convention game with you. But mm. if that was a campaign and we'd gone outside, would I be watching everyone really carefully to see if they've got bitten at any stage? Oh, hell yes. And there would be no trust there. And that's also the thing. There is no trust in grimdark settings, really. So you know, it could not... be player versus player conflict is a part of it. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think so. I think for grim, me, for grimdark, it's not the level of violence. It's the psychological terror to it as well. Violence is cheap in these games yes yeah, so as you say there's potential for player versus player because of the, the the sort of context in which you're playing and we'll probably come on to mechanics a little bit in a second because we're also talking about 
characters not necessarily getting better. So in old school essentials or, or Dungeons and Dragons, you could argue that inevitably, if you survive and you get experience, you will become better over time. You know, that there's, and you, you can obviously, you can play it in such a way your character starts to deteriorate. But other games like Red Markets or Call of Cthulhu is a classic, is that you your character over time, they just get worse. <laughs> they just degenerate. They're, they are inevitably going to spiral down into some sort of, uh, you know, a um, uh, either a moral or psychological or, you know, some sort of deterioration. And it doesn't matter how, how effective they might have been to start with, it's, it's not, it's not going to end well. So it's like Fall of Delta Green is, is, a, is a, or Delta Green is probably a good example of that. A quick, well, a quick question, really. Is, is, is the difference between grim and grim dark? So when Ooh. you're saying grim, is that the same as grim dark? So I my, don't think it is, no. <laughs> so my experience, okay, so my, and my thing about grim dark is often a game that get, or a term that gets used in conjunction with Warhammer Fancy Roleplay and Warhammer. Uh, 40k it's it's it seems to come from there so it's that it's got that whole gothic style of things whereas i mean yeah probably a, a grim game like red markets hasn't it is well so let's call it let's call it it's grim a better ter- what's different but, god now let's define our terms so what's the difference between a grim game and a grim dark game of discord just this morning i actually put the gif I gift searched Grim Dark, and the first thing that came came up was Warhammer 40k. And obviously, this is a role playing term, so we should be really talking about heresy and everything else. The role, you know, the role playing versions of those. But that was the first thing that came up. It was Warhammer mm. as a Grim Dark gif as a first thirty gifts was Warhammer or <laughs> Warhammer all the time. So I'm also wondering: is it is it a European thing as well? Do we embrace more Grim Dark as a European thing? in britain and and you know with sweden with this free league rather than americans so, I don't know. so in my head i'm thinking grimdark otherwise spend a whole podcast talking about defining terms and stuff but like grimdark i say is, is that whole 40k thing i put forbidden lands in there because it's just so over the top horrible in terms of what's happening to you in that one whereas something like delta green has got that level of seriousness to it so maybe grimdark just means that it's just got a bit of a silly edge whereas just a grim game i mean red markets you know there there is humor in there but it's more about oh look what's happened to you that's awful hilarious and again in delta green i'm sure that you know when you play that it is funny but you're just marveling at how horrible it's gone for people rather than it being a an outcome of the of the tone of the, of the it's almost like it's your response to the tone of the game really so let's agree let's call it grim gaming because that's okay, okay. and graham won't beat us up when he needs it next season mm. <laughs> call it that way so what's the difference between no <laughs> i've answered your question uh, yeah no you have I, I was just i just wasn't sure i just thought it needs to be clear on yeah i think grim makes more sense for sure grim. absolutely I, you see i'm frank playing devil's advocate um for me a grim game is uh, a game where odds are stacked heavily against you but mm. you know that there's a good chance you're going to pull through you're going to succeed there's that you know that great big beacon there that you're heading towards grim dark for me says that beacon is a little match being held up that could be blown out at any stage because chances are it's going to be <laughs> for me that is the difference so um little hope yeah i think with grim, with grim games there is hope because you know if you can get through that grind fest or whatever you're facing mm. chances are you're going to get some reward um, something at the end of it to say well done even if it's short lived. I, I think yeah, if there's a chance you're going to survive then like and you expect to survive then it's not grim i yeah. would say 
Well, so, so I, th- I think I mean I suppose the difference the difference between grim and grim dark is what does dark mean in the, in this you know what makes it that much it's not just grim it's dark as well you know I suppose that's that's it isn't it give me an example of a game that you think would be a game that would be grim not well, Alien is is a good one because okay. because we're all f- familiar with that setting so so you can. You know that you're a marine or a roughneck or whatever, and you're you're doing your job. But then you're you're in a situation where things are getting steadily worse. But that's not necessarily dark in the same way. You're not reveling in the horribleness of it. I think is the the thing with Alien. It is a grim a grim setting because so it's, life it's is tough. Con- it's more a consequence of it rather than the rather than the aim the of, it. of it. Oh yeah, okay. That's interesting. Ooh. I like that one. Not sure we'll ever come to a conclusion. I mean, there's probably generations of Reddits out there probably arguing about that term. There are. I, I actually did have a brief. As oh, I was did you? What a myself, and I had a brief look down the rabbit hole, and mm. as the abyss stared at me, I clicked <laughs> off of it. You said not to it. <laughs> Very wise. <laughs> So let's let's talk a bit about mechanics then. So if we're going to say there's a game that's got a a, a tone that is unforgiving, the, mm. where death is commonplace, where your character is essentially it's going to go it's going to go badly. Mm. <laughs> Whatever happens, it's just how slowly you can delay the inevitable. In that case, what strikes us in games of mechanics that have that model that. Well, I mean, I mean, the classic is is sanity, the mechanic, really, in, in, in Call of Cthulhu, I'd argue. I don't know if other games prior to that had got anything similar. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going play a lot of those early games to sort of spot those things, really. No, I know? think Cthulhu's the first one, really, seriously. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd agree with that, yeah. What's come up for me is uh, I think it's Mothership and uh, Alien mm. with, with the stress mechanics. And do you say mm. that stress is a grim setting as well? Does that include... Um, I do. In, I did like the stress set, um, stress mechanics of Mothership and Alien. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely because when your characters are in that situation, I mean, the, the nice thing with Alien is a little bit of stress is giving you an edge, mm-hmm. and you're feeling yes, we're we're getting more successes, and then you reach a certain tipping point, and you're getting those bad things happening to you, and it gets into that cycle of getting worse and worse, and that's where you really feel hopeless, and yeah, so this is it, we're going to die, and the whole party just loses it instantly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. There's that there's that cascading effect of one character panics and then everybody else around has yeah. panics at the same time i'd argue that's probably a bit of a flaw in the system to be honest. <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah what about um what about other games so i mean because things i came up with obviously sanity and call of cthulhu so corruption in fancy mm. role play I, I was corruption so i'm looking to knit for, for graham to nod at me here because he's still on mute but was corruption around an original fancy role play or was that a, a more recent uh yeah I don't believe it was. I don't believe I don't, you had. You had. I think you had um, insanity mechanics, but um, okay. I don't think you had corruption mechanics. And now we've got you on. I want to hear about your objection to Grimdark? Now that we've sort of analysed it to death. Grimdark games are played by edge lords. The two phrases kind of go hand in hand with me. I think um, people who say to play a lot, well, just just from picking up this sort of general discourse online. I think people who say they play grim, dark games, they play games where everything around them is dark and it's edgy and there's chaos, spiky bits and there's there's a kind of dark tone. I don't think they generally expect that bad things will happen to their characters. Yeah, right, okay. 
I think that's grimdark for me. That's just a personal take. Mm-hmm. I would like that. Whereas I, I would just prefer the term grim or depressing. I'll play, you know, I'll, <laughs> uh, you know, not, you know, I will play games to be fun, but some games have got more darker backgrounds. Yeah. I think you were asking about some mechanics examples. I would add Call of Cthulhu is, is a bow down and worship Call of Cthulhu because that gave us the death spiral of of sanity. I'd mentioned Delta Green, big fan of Delta Green. They've got the additional depressing edge of bonds. So briefly, you can use bonds as sanity armor. You can you can put a bond in play to deflect some of your sanity loss. And by putting that bond in play, it says you are losing a human relationship with yeah. someone close to you. So you, you 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 put your bonds out there to begin with. You say, oh, I've got bonds with my wife. I've got my kid, or you could just say family. Have the mm. two of them as one bond. Uh, you could have a bond with your brother, and maybe you could have your bone club as your third bond. And as you use them to deflect sanity loss, so you can't deflect all sanity loss, but some sanity loss away from your character as you as you do the core, you know, the core function of the game, which is to confront the mythos, investigate mysteries. Your bonds will deteriorate, and you're asked to give examples. Just brief examples at the beginning of each, maybe, maybe each scenario. Show me how that bond has deteriorated. And so obviously, it goes beyond your character, then, doesn't it? Really, so it sort of becomes more narrative rather than just a mechanical. It's, and it's not usually it's not usually narrative. It's like five minutes at the start of each scenario. Yeah. You visit each character in their personal life and say, "Okay, that bond went down a wee bit because of that last adventure. Mm. Show me how this has affected your relationship with that character, that that NPC." And, you know, as the game goes on, if you're assuming your character survives the horrible things they're investigating, they're going to lose touch with it. And, and all the characters become yeah. garages with pictures pinned to the wall. And- Just come back to Red Markets, which uh, that does that mechanise that as well. So with your, yeah, it's your family. So it's, it's your people, your contacts. So you need those contacts to be able to maintain your humanity and you can lose them by not spending money on them. So yeah. it's that whole stress thing can go on. Just on Red Markets, because I played that game with you at Grogme, that's even more hostile because if I understand, if I understand, right, you know, NPCs or anything you encounter, like zombies, you know, sorry, casualties, uh, <laughs> casualties in the game, if they're attacking you, there is an, it's assumed it's an auto-success and you've got to sort of buy, buy back their success. That's the way I understood the rules. Market the always wins. That's yeah, right. Yeah, market. Always, so that's. I mean, that's that's fairly grim. That's a fairly grim assumption to put in a game, and really novel and interesting. It's a great game to run. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about other mechanics that sort of come oh. out in terms of deterioration? I've, I've got a, a game. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, show you. It's okay. The, it's the idiot's left, guide to how to code. build a hell. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is best left buried. And uh, so I've not read it for a while, but uh, it has this concept of grip. And it's not just like uh, your mental health. It, it does cover stamina as well. But what happens mm. in the game is you, you can you can spend it to kind of get yourself out of holes or it can be like sanity rolls in Cthulhu. You, you encounter horrendous things and you, you you have to make a uh, grip tests and and so when your grip gets to zero basically that like that you're out of the game you're not necessarily dead but you go and join the other side or you yeah. go you, you know you you run off and live in a, a, a hole under the mountains somewhere mm. with a with a ring or something like that but you get these afflictions on the way and, mm. and these afflictions 
all have negative uh, consequences on your character. So, so the whole game, right from the, right from the moment you start playing it, you know that your characters have only got so long, and they're going to go on this like spiral, this descent, getting weaker and more afflicted and more disturbed. I think it's a really interesting idea and and be kind of like Mokborg because it's relatively easy to create a new character you, you know you you can live with that and, and i think yeah. that makes it really uh, that makes it really interesting you know and then there's this it does talk about you know well you might say well i'm not gonna try and spend grip um but again it, uh, it's a you know if you don't spend grip then you're gonna equally end up up in a mess so you got mm. to find the balance between spending grip but it, you never get it back. You, you want once it, you know, once it's gone, it's gone. So it's like a, it's that trajectory, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really? yeah. I think it's really interesting. But it'd be possible to have a game which is grim, mm. where actually physical physical damage, physical threat isn't the issue. Maybe, mm. yeah. Actually, it's more about you know, it's going to be about that psychological deterioration, which is you know, yeah. you could ha- you could ha- have that, and that would for me that would be quite a grim game. Yeah, you know. Uh, or actually it's a psychological consequences of being injured rather than anything else. The other system I was going to say as well, pre-pandemic, I played um, the One Ring, first, mm-hmm. edition, first edition, and we played a whole campaign, and one of our dwarfs, he's, his shadow points, and that's that, that system of accumulating mm-hmm. shadow points, the temptation of gold and treasure and all that. So the accumulation of shadow points to the point that – Near enough that the end of our campaign near the Grey Mountains, he 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 accumulated all those shadow points, and he was like, he turned around to all of us and he said, "That's it, guys. I've accumulated mm. too many shadow points." He just walks off into the distance, and we literally had a couple of players were in tears, just saying, "Oh my God, yeah. David's Dave's dwarfs just walked off into the distance. He's going to be eaten by trolls." And we said, "Yeah, but we can't do anything about it. He's just so." And I absolutely loved, you know, the One Ring for actually. You know, putting that game mechanics. So in I would, there. I would argue that's that's tragedy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's very grim. Different thing, because I think you know, if you're looking at in like I say, for me, in a Delta Green, there is no heroism. There is no, yeah, pathos. It's essentially it's just horrible things. Whereas in the One Ring, it's that you know inevitable struggle against the shadow. Which yeah, I suppose it depends how you, how you run these things or play these things, isn't it? So I'm thinking about Vampire Cat actually <laughs> um, well, um for me yeah i mean you've got the the struggle of your humanity fifth edition i'm still as i've been playing it for a couple of years now but i'm still sort of feeling my way with that but yeah. as i say it's it's remarkably easy to lose humanity it's not easy to drag your humanity back up mm. and it affects everything on your your social interactions if your humanity drops enough humans are just generally a bit weirded by you you are the weirdo in the mac basically right through to you know animals will actually try and attack you you know whereas the higher you are the more human you are um oddly enough world of darkness has always put humans as humanity seven not mm. ten you're mm. seven so you know you can actually drag your humanity up higher than humans but it's that it's, loss. And do, it's the fact that you know you're not always going to win no matter how well your character does at trying to cling on you know that you're you're heading one way <laughs> And that's quite that is quite grim, particularly when you're struggling and you try and make a good action, but it doesn't kind of work. I think in fifth edition, Ken Hart made a particular point that because he doesn't like vampires. So when he wrote Knights Black Agents, it's about actually I hate vampires. I want you know the people to beat. Yeah. I want to be players to be the ones that beat up vampires. But then obviously, ironically, then got 
contracts to do a uh, uh, fifth edition. Mm-hmm. I think he built in that whole thing about you know humanity and and the, the mechanics to sort of that it actually it's really hard to to be feeding on your fellow humans and to maintain your humanity. Actually, I mean, I'd argue he's actually made vampire far more dark and grim than the original mm-hmm. versions. Because you yeah. no longer have blood pool as a resource. You know, it can run out really quickly now, or you can stay really high for ages. You can't feed to keep it up, if that makes sense, whereas you could in the earlier editions. Yeah. And also, you know, a few other things that he's uh, he's kind of done with it makes it a lot darker. It's a lot harder to hide what you are. You're not superheroes, are you, like no. you were before? It's, You're you know... definitely not a superhero with a katana yeah. anymore. Well, I'd, I'd say I mean, that, that's one of the things that put me off vampire in the earlier editions was that it just seemed to be too much fun to be this blood-sucking evil creature and that approach that Kat was talking about is is, is much much better as a, a game because you're confronted by what you are and mm. you're you know you know you're doing these horrible things and if you're playing the game and role-playing into that that's giving you that experience to explore that that moral horror in a controlled way uh, and I, I think that's you know I think maybe moving on to, to why we enjoy these things I mean th- that's definitely one of the things for me is it's putting you in these situations and you you're getting you to experience emotions that you wouldn't necessarily get in uh, other games mm-hmm. um, by, by putting you in that situation so yeah I think that yeah. that definitely sounds like an interesting mechanic for that <laughs> So let, let's just think about moving on to why we like grim games and and favourite grim games. But just to, to round up, then, so we were saying that <clears throat> tone and, and background is really important. That you need to have that sense of actually, you know, the world, the, whatever the world is, whether it be Dark Sun or the world of Lamentations. Then it's it's a not a great place. No one's having a good time really in that situation. And actually, the player characters aren't that much different to everybody else. That there's element of lethality is good but it's not required to make a game grin it's grim it's more about the psychological outcome for the characters that there's that. and it's again it's that sort of sense that it's going to go badly for you it's just at what point and who else you drag down with you and having that sort of built into to games and i think mechanisms that support that are, are what we what we like in games so why why do you like grim games well do you like grim games oh yeah i definitely do yeah i definitely do I think it's like the same reason I like old school, you know, OSE, that kind, mm. kind of thing. You know, I do, I do like, you know, games where you are a bit more heroic as well. But I think with grim games, I think there's a, a well, one, I think the settings are really appealing and you, you get lots of interest in like moral dilemmas and, uh, and stuff like that. I think the characters generally are far less powerful almost ordinary people in many cases or a little bit better uh, death could be lurking around any corner you've got to be very cautious i just find it much more interesting so to be honest i, I do like a good scrap as much as anybody in uh in, in my games not in real life of course <laughs> and uh but i think it's really uh, rewarding to kind of deal with an encounter without you know going in guns blazing swords flashing and whatever mm-hmm. and and actually doing that because you know that if you if you if you do go charging in there's a good chance you're gonna go you know, that's a sanity, yeah. and even if you do win the fight then there'll be other consequences which aren't mm-hmm. as good that so again that you know it's uh the dice are loaded against you really yeah but, yeah absolutely 
So is that is that your grim game recommendation then, or have you got another one that you'd sort of uh, you put out there? Yeah, I mean, I think in I think my recommendation would be would be Lamentations of the Flame Princess. I think mm. you, you know system aside, I mean, it's a great implementation of uh, Bethany. It's really really nicely done, and, and I think it, as a system, it's, it, it works really well. But it's much more about the adventures and yeah. the, the settings and the tools that that go with it. And the artwork, it was a lot of kind of really disturbing artwork and ideas as well. Yeah. Uh, I think things like Better Than Any Man. So that's the 30 Years War one, isn't it? Better Than, you know, Death, Frost, Doom is, a, yeah. is another one where, you know, basically if you, if you, if you screw it up, you, you, you signal the end of the world kind of thing. You, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. So the stakes are high. Yeah. Either individually yeah, yeah. or but for the for the world as well. So that's yeah, another absolutely. aspect of a, a grim game that needs to have life yeah. literally life or death for everybody involved in the in the game world, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I like grim games because well, as you said, the worlds are always more interesting for these games. I'm gonna be honest. They mm. they they have better law involved. Um I always just feel they're much more together. But I like playing them or running them is just the fact it steps me out of my comfort zone, but in a safe way. So I can explore what it would be like to be in an absolutely post-apocalyptic world hunting down zombies or trying to get resources, or I can be a vampire trying to struggle against night to maintain that sliver of humanity to keep on going a bit longer and not walk into the sun. They're all things I'll never get to do in, you know. You hope. I hope. You know. <laughs> I mean, I know the Tory party are trying their hardest. Let's hope the mid markets doesn't exist. <laughs> but you know, it's that fact you can put yourself into somebody into somebody else's shoes, mm. and also you don't have to make the best decision for them. You can make it worse for your character just to see what's going to happen. And I like being able to do that sometimes in some games. I don't always do it, but I, you know, it's nice. I like that struggle. And it's always so much more rewarding, even if you get just that small little chink of light, you know, and it just makes it much more of a fun game for me. Mm. Um, my recommendation probably would be Vampire or Simbaran, to be mm. honest, uh, if you want a more fantasy setting. It's interesting because, again, it comes back to that point about <clears throat> it's about moral, you know, red market. So that's, that's the game I'm obviously going to put forward. But in that, there was a, a in the campaign game, there was a moral quandary at the end and i think it's interesting when you get players and they go hmm, what, what what would i do in that situation thinking well what would their characters do what would they do and it's not it's not oh i will definitely do it this way it's more about it's those shades of gray that i think that make it make it interesting which you do get absolutely in vampire and, and other games as well right so so definitely for me i mean i'm, I'm a bit of a free league fanboy i think we've, we've already mentioned Vassen and alien um but the one i'd, I'd pick is things from the flood which is the the sequel game to Tales from the Loop. It takes that optimistic place where there's this fabulous technology and mysteries and kids running around on their bikes and they're they're always going to to get home safely and have lashings of ginger beer. And it turns that on its head that you're now these these teenagers. The town is in ruins. There's a there's a flood and the 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 main uh, business there has failed. So there's unemployment and crime. Um, and instead of having um, something they're proud of. The, the teenage characters have a secret shame that that, that that will probably come out in play and and they'll be revealed to the to their to their friends as this thing that they're ashamed of and they'll have to confront it and they can die but they probably won't there's there's there are 
worst things that can happen. They can end up emotionally broken mm. and they'll leave town in under this cloud of of shame or or whatever's happened to them in the course of, of the adventure. So so definitely if you if you lean into that, it's it's that, that angst and the setting and the rules as well that, that make that a, a definitely a grim game if you want to play it like that. Yeah, that is, that's pretty dark. I mean, that's one I've got on my shelf. I've never actually looked at it in any great detail, but the way you've described it there, so, God, it sounds depressing. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I get you. And that, so I think building that in obviously is core to the characters in terms of what that, that outcome is going to be. Uh, much more struggle, they might struggle against it. It's it's the horror movies. I love actually watching horror movies, and my favourite film of all time is Alien. So you know um, that's where it kind of is the basis. And mm. the thing is, as well, is this, um, you get these people who've been uh, get players who've been playing years and years of D and D five e, especially nowadays. And my first recommendation straight away is like you've been playing superheroes in a fantasy world, and my recommendation is Call of Cthulhu. Mm. It's like you're playing a, you know, the planet Earth, you know, America and Europe and everybody goes, oh, yeah, I know that. And you're playing actual fragile characters, 1920s fragile characters that could faint at a sight of a zombie. And they're like, oh, my God, does that actually happen? I went, there's, yeah, there's rules, mechanics for the sanity. So my love, Call of Cthulhu, which is in goes hand in hand with Delta Green. And I absolutely love Delta Green. And I can't recommend the starter set for Delta Green, which is Need to Know, and the little adventure which I ran at a con, which is absolutely fantastic, which is Last Things Last, with that moral dilemma at the very end. The players are going, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Yeah, (laughs) what am I going to do? But obviously I'm not going to say what the moral dilemma is, but it's an absolute superb little con game. So... Call of Cthulhu and Delta Green for me. I suspect that might have jumped all over what Graham was going to say then, actually. <laughs> so, Graham, grim, grim games. Why? Why do you like them? And what's your what's your pick? You can pick Delta Green if you want. That's fine. <laughs> I think why I like grim games. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I, I love all role playing games. I do. I love all flavors of them. I think maybe grim games are slightly more adult. The HBO box set mm. version of games compared to your mainstream telly of games, but you know, without you know, like I say, I've got and I've got. Sometimes I just wanted to like buy and watch mainstream telly, but if if you're appealing to my more or, you know, slightly more artistic sense, then mm. it's does there's more slightly more drama, there's slightly more heightened realism as as far as role playing games go. Uh, within within grim games, the stakes seem a bit more serious. Mm. And that kind of that just adds a, a salt to it and, and gives it an, an extra flavour. So that's, that's how, how I'd express it. But yeah, I mean, Fabio was pissed all over my chips there with <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, with Cthulhu and, and, and Delta Green. But I, I, I would, I would, I would probably fine tune it to Delta Green. Um, mm-hmm. I have witnessed examples of and heard on podcast examples of Call Cthulhu where it's. It's kind of like PG Wodehouse plus Tentacles. <laughs> Some people play that way. Not for fun. Not slightly not for me. I, I'd like it. Um, I like it a bit more serious than that. Um, and I think Delta Green kind of restricts that possibility. Gives us a tighter focus. Mm. Um, I think that was true when it was a supplement for Call of Cthulhu, and it's even more true now. It's its own thing. It's its own rule set, and it's 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 added things like the bonds I was mentioning earlier on. Um, 
to give that even even more even more focus. So yeah, I mean summing up Cork to me, summing up Cork is through Iron Delic Green. Probably red markets as well. I need to know more about red markets and experience it more. But you talk about the, the core activity of players in a game. That's where the characters get punished for engaging in, in the core activity. And I think there's as a certain as players, you're either up for that or not. Yes. Yeah. So I think I think some players but against that. Mm-hmm. And that's because they want to they want to do something more heroic. That's mm-hmm. fine. And, yeah. our, and there's another type of player who says, yeah, tell me more about that and buy into it. And, and you know, you get Cockathilly veterans who, who love telling stories about how their characters died in, in really grim and horrible ways. And the nastier, the nastier their, their character death, the yeah. better it is. And I think you're either, you're either one or the other, possibly. Um, uh, you know. Yeah, you know, I look a bit of both. I mean, heroism's great. I mean, there's nothing you know better than flying around in a cape, and you know, with your fists of steel and laying you know down some some punishment on some evil, evil people. But yeah. then, but equally, you know, I think games where you're just really struggling. I think really long term play. I think that'd be quite hard. I think it's it's can be quite an intense experience. So I think it is, you know, can be more focused. But no, I'm I'm with you. I think yeah, I think all the games we've sort of talked about, yeah, I've got a lot of time for Things from the Flood is a new one for me, although I've got it, I've never actually taken it off the shelf. So we'll have to have a look at that one. But yeah, I think we've pretty much reached the end of it in that case. Is are there any any other thoughts, anything you want to throw in there? I'm sure we'll have lots of people arguing about Grim Dark versus Grim, but I think uh, I think you captured it there, <laughs> Graham, with that one. So thanks everybody for taking the time. Take it easy. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Hi Steve. Uh, just some additional thoughts to hopefully help you pad out the the grim episode of your podcast. Uh, first point of this background. Is this sufficient to make a game grim? I uh, think that's pretty clear that it's probably not just enough. Um, I think for grim games, uh, what we're talking about is a combination of uh, a grim setting or a grim premise for the game. Uh, you know, most horror games would probably fit that category, but I think you need to have um, mechanics to, to back the grimness up. I mean, I can imagine, for example, perhaps there's probably uh, D&D settings which are considered quite um, quite dark, maybe um, uh, um, similar to something like Warhammer or, or something like that. But, I mean, the mechanics of uh, D&D for characters is, you know, generally, uh, you know, one of um, progression um, and getting better. Um, I think you've got to look at games, classics being, classic examples being like Call Cthulhu, Delta Green, um, where you've got, you know, a grim premise, you're encountering horrors and cosmic horrors, um, and in addition you've got mechanics which back up, you know, the death spiral of sanity and Cthulhu being an example, you know, essentially the more you play the game, um, the worse it's going to be for your character, and likewise, um, uh, for Delta Green, um, and that's further enhanced by mechanics around combat, which are pretty realistic um, uh, and, and quite lethal. So I think um, to, for a game to be truly grim, you probably need that kind of combination. Uh, just on the subject of um, Warhammer, um, uh, I think we touched upon this when we talked about Warhammer in one of your other episodes. Um, yeah, on the face of it, it's reasonably, you know, grim setting, you know, there's disease, 
there's corruption, um, you know, political and more fundamentally from the forces of chaos. You've got chaos gods and demons uh, intruding. Um, uh, I think um, is, uh, the thing that offsets Warhammer for being a truly grim game for me is, uh, you know, there's two things really. There's, there's aforementioned the humour, which I, which I, myself and others talked about with regards to Warhammer, uh, kind of, um, that kind of uh, lightens the mood uh, somewhat, that sort of um, thread of, of dark humour. Um, through Warhammer, okay, it's um, it is black humor and or sarcastic humor sometimes, but it is there. Um, uh, and secondly, although there are mechanics in Warhammer which um, uh, uh, which tend towards grimness, you know, the the risks from uh, corruption, from chaos, as I said, um, or possibly going insane, um, or um, or maybe catching, you know, a nasty disease. Um, there are mechanics in, in Warhammer which kind of offset that again. So yeah, obviously there's the various um, meta currencies is the word. Yeah, so you've got your meta currencies. There's four types of those in, in Warhammer. So a player can sort of expend those to kind of offset some of the, the really bad outcomes that are they're coming from. Uh, and the you know, chief one being, which has been there from first edition, is the, the fate point. So that marks your character is a wee bit more, he's slightly above the common herd in that respect because he, he can expend these fate points, mitigate against death. And if you're mitigating against death, that game means the game, you know, tends towards grimness, but isn't, isn't truly grim, in my opinion. Uh, fragility of characters is an interesting one. Perhaps Kath uh, has maybe got something to say about Vampire, which um, she's got more knowledge of than I have. To my knowledge, the, the Vampire characters in Vampire, the, the masquerade or whatever um, incarnation that's going through now. I don't know how fragile those characters are um, compared to each other. Um, certainly they're probably less fragile than the the human beings that prey upon. So that's an interesting one. That that to me strikes of a game uh, which is quite a dark, you know, quite a dark premise, uh, provided it's played uh, in that manner and not just as, you know, kind of vampire superheroes with katanas and trench coats and that kind of thing. It does have a dark premise because, you know, you are, you are a predator amongst uh, human society uh, and as an ex-human, I suppose, that's got to do things to you. But yeah, your character might not be uh, that, that fragile. Um, take something to take your character down. I don't know, I don't have much experience of uh, being a vampire, but to my mind, a character being fragile and susceptible to the true rigours of, you know, nasty violence and combat to me, that's what it would uh, would be an essential again for for a grim game. But you know, willing to be persuaded otherwise, if uh, vampire in other respects fits the criteria for a grim game, it's just that the characters aren't, aren't as fragile as, as normal humans. Uh, then maybe that's the exception. Um, trying to think of other mechanisms that underpin grimness uh, in some games or settings. Um, I think we've touched on Delta Green. Maybe worth emphasising again, I think that the bond mechanic in Delta Green is particularly interesting. And that's how you end up with characters like uh, Rust, Cole, um, Matthew McConaughey's character in True Detective Season 1, who towards the end is he's basically alone in a garage uh, with a conspiracy board of uh, pins and string and photographs and evidence uh, around him and, and no one else. Um, and that's how you get to those kind of characters. I think that's uh, that's uh, one of the, the best illustrations of this. Uh, examples of grim happenings in games. Um, uh, I always come back to 
uh, Cork Australia, uh, Australia and or Delta Green. Um, but uh, I've played, uh, I've run a, quite a grim scenario. Um, I think I've run it two or three times now, uh, which is originally called Cthulhu scenario. Um, uh, uh, but I've run it in a sort of Delta Green uh, setting. It's a scenario called uh, Love's Lonely Children. Um, uh, I mean, the basic premise is quite grim, you know, it's, it involves a murdered prostitute. Um, her parents are you know, essentially pornographers that run this really sort of sleazy sort of um, pornographic um, emporium, if you like. And um, anyway, I've, I've run that scenario, you know, I think two or three times and, and at least twice the PCs have ended up being sent to a, a hospital to sort of execute a, a bedridden patient, uh, you know, and terrorising the, the poor innocent um hospital staff as they do so, uh, all in the name of the so-called greater good. So, um, you know, both times I've, I've run that and, and, and the players have sort of been uh, looking at themselves and wondering uh, wondering what exactly they're doing. But, that, I mean, that's that's the kind of the, the kind of thing that where Delta Green excels, that you get these sort of uh, really grey, if not downright black, moral choices to make. Uh, all in the name of fighting for the greater good for humanity. And why do we enjoy that? I don't know. Maybe we're all slightly twisted and sick. But uh, I think I think having to make choices like that just adds a bit more drama and a wee bit more, dare I say, realism to um, our lovely wee sort of fictional games. Oh, anyway, Steve, I think that's for me. Hopefully, this is uh, some useful material you can you can fit in and uh, hopefully chat soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to another exploration of my gaming vexes. If you've got any thoughts you'd like to add to what you've heard here, or a gaming vex of your own you'd like to offer up for discussion, you can contact me on Twitter at AllAnthar, or you can leave a voice message. The link's on the podcast webpage on Anchor, or can be found in the show notes. Until the next time, may all your games be free of vexatiousness, and be excellent to each other, always.